0: I it
1: Respiratory virus threats, nerve tag has spent the last few days analyzing this new variant. It may be up to 70% more transmissible than the old variant, the original version of the disease. You might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Assume you might be infectious. Assume you might be infectious. And that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Today, the United Kingdom's chief medical officers have advised that the country should move to alert level five, meaning that uh, if action is not taken, NHS capacity may be overwhelmed within 21 days. And it's going to spread further, and I, I must level with you, level with the, the British public, um, more families, uh, many more families, are going to lose loved ones before their time. Your colleague on stage, John Edmonds, has just sent me a statement saying that, as far as he's concerned, this is the worst moment of the epidemic because of the extraordinary infe- infectivity of this new strain. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, this is a horrible moment, for sure. To say, I'm really sorry to hear about your two relatives who died from this virus. I mean, it is a
2: very dangerous virus uh, for many people.
1: vaccine or mra will ever flow through my fucking blood blood never i will fucking die fucking fighting for my motherfuckers and my fucking lineage. fuck these motherfuckers
3: Everyone and uh, another day, another Jihad Science Stream, and a slightly, slightly different one today. We'll be talking about opioids, fentanyl addiction, and the neuroscience thereof. Um, Let me be doing this on the paradigm shift. But first of all, we're going to uh, link up with uh, Chris France, uh, an addiction survivor. Just bear with me. I'm going to try through. I'm going to try discord um chris so it should be ringing for you if you're listening in hello hello sir how are you chris ah i'm okay hanging in there uh you might just want to turn your mic down a little bit it's distorting my end okay um do you want to be on screen or
0: yeah that's fine
3: uh so yes i was saying that we're going to be talking on the paradigm shift um why don't you uh take it away you're the um ah i'll say we all have our little addictions right so why don't you why don't you tell us about yours there's uh quite a few to rack up well the um
2: You know a little bit about my story when I was. Uh, it started when I was very very young, right? And It, uh, it happened to me when I was three years old. Um, my mother was a single mother in upper in Scotland back in the fifties, and she had no way of supporting me, so she put me up uh, into an orphanage, and um, that was it. And then three years later, she came back and took me away with an American husband, um, and brought me took me to America. And um, it took me till about the age of seven or eight or nine to start expressing negative behavior and me becoming very aware something was very wrong in my house. And then when I was about 11 years old, um, in lunchtime in fourth to fifth grade, went across the street from the school and uh, some older kids were over there smoking pot and drinking whiskey. And that was my very first drink and my very first drug. And three uh, days later right, I was where in, was this West,
3: in the united states can i ask in, uh,
2: colorado springs colorado we lived in the broadmoor area cheyenne canyon my dad was working inside of norad north american air defense command uh, He was a computer scientist for the government and um, real high-level security stuff and in fact my drug addiction really put his security clearance at risk uh, that's how i got involved with the fbi doing a profile on me um when I was in jail when I was about uh, I think I was 19, between 19 and 20, I spent nine months in Cripple Creek, and next thing I know, I was up there on a cocaine delivery charge. <laughs> um, the, the FBI came by, and, and they took me from the county jail and took me to this other building about 20 miles away, and interviewed me for three hours. And you know, I was good to go with them. I'm not going to you know I didn't have anything to really hide. Mm. So when they were all done with me, they, as, one, as one guy was walking out the door with the other guy, he turns to him, he says, uh, he's just an alcoholic, right? Yeah. And they walk out the door. And so that kind of took me off the hook as being part of a criminal organization. However, I started learning about criminal organizations when I was really young. I was 12, 13 years old, and I was already dealing drugs in my junior high school.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm. Um, you know, I was the guy that you went to to get your pot and get your LSD. Sometimes
0: we had old-fashioned crosstop speed, right? Mm. Um, so it's just a lot of uh, a, a lot of
2: turmoil. Now, when I started drinking when I was eleven years old, I had no idea that what what happened to me when I was three would affect me so seriously. Um, and over the course of the from the age of eleven to the age of fifty. I spent struggling in and out, sober, not sober, uh, 49 arrests, 13 drunk driving charges, uh, assault, battery, uh, family violence, um, all kinds of other misdemeanors and, and felonies. I, I think I I was arrested on about eight felonies and I've been convicted, convicted of about three. So, you know, I make the uh, I qualify for a uh, habitual criminal, criminal, and in fact, that's the last day I drank was when I was in that Texas courtroom in 2009, and instead of the judge sentencing me as a habitual criminal and putting me in prison for 25 years, he gave me another um, another chance at, at doing probation. Now, however, this time on probation, it was intensive, and I had to go to a sober living facility and do my three years there and that's
3: what i did and that was in 2009 and i haven't taken a drink since ah uh, uh, booze a uh, all this all this talk about uh illicit drugs yeah. and uh there's one that we just pump out uh we market yeah. aggressively and um look man <laughs> i had a fair proportion of my days uh drunk when i shouldn't be but uh thank thankfully i didn't get into the too much trouble
0: um it's pretty bad i mean um turned on my camera there but the um the issue i had was was that you know i was a broken child
2: right but nobody around me really knew it um i think if i was in school in the modern world the, Mm. the internet world and i went to school they would have sent me to see a school psychiatrist and the psychiatrist would have yeah but that
3: you know what chris in today's day and age they'd have convinced you to try and chop your cock off and uh
2: or, or, or kill myself on with the maid program in canada because you kind mm. of feel that all the time but i was <laughs> you know i started showing signs of schizophrenia and we well, not schizophrenia in the classic sense but drug psychosis
0: because
2: mm. i would use so much and and it was so intense that once i started i wouldn't stop right till everything was gone around me uh that's just that's
3: the whole point right (laughs) that's
2: you know with alcohol it involved being in a blackout from my early 20s to 1995 i was 35 years old Uh, Mm. i i could i sobered up in a treatment center and i you know after about a month or two i started kind of trying to put things together and I couldn't, I couldn't remember anything. Um,
0: mm.
2: I knew I little bits and pieces like from my criminal history report, I got from the police department. I saw where I was arrested, what it was for, blah, 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 blah. But everything, when you're in a, an alcoholic state, you know, you go into a, your memory circuit just turns off and it can stay off permanently.
3: Right. Mm. Yeah. You know, it, it took
2: quite a long time to, to stitch it all back together.
3: There's some of the worst uh test models to work with. Alcoholic rats. They're just uh awful the Cocaine awful. rats are much more
2: better, right? Um th- they, they do don't
3: they don't have the aggression, right? The alcoholic rats are just fat <laughs> just <laughs> You can't you can't even get close to them to handle them and uh their job to handle and uh they're just cantankerous and um yeah, it it hits them hits them very hard and uh it's uh yeah, you know, for all the all the aspersions cast against other drugs like booze is is one of the worst, man. Like,
2: Starts at
3: home mostly. I would, I would say this. Oh, I know this. I've had a few suicides occur in my life. I, I, you know, it was leading up to. You could see it, and they're calling out for help. But every time, every time it was done, that like they did the job properly, they were drunk, got drunk, yeah. and. Um, Found creative ways to uh, end their lives, and um, it's it's tragic. uh, The fallout from it is.
2: um... I've tried five times to kill myself. Um,
3: Mm. Yeah, Uh, the
2: funniest when I was in the drunk and I was in the shower. I tied a necktie around my neck and put it up on the shower, you know, thing coming out of the wall. Yeah, and then I then I kind of let go of my legs, trying to hang myself, but I wasn't hanging. I was just kind of falling down, and mm. uh, it, it stayed stayed solid for about thirty seconds, and then all of a sudden that thing ripped just right out clunked. of the wall. Yeah, <laughs> it cost me six hundred dollars to get it fixed.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there's some uh, some aversion therapy there too. Uh, when it oh, hits you in be... the pocket, right? So,
2: unfortunately for me, aversion therapy didn't work; it just didn't. Mm. There were, I went to 12 steps, I went to church, I went to shrinks, I went to doctors, I went to everybody, and nothing really worked. Um, what what did work was that when I was on my last days, uh, I was pretty hopeless and I had given up everything. I was going to go in that courtroom and plead guilty to that charge, and just mm-hmm. take my comeuppance, yes. and what would have happened. I, if he would have accepted my guilty plea, he'd given me 25 years. Automatically almost. And so when that little gift of uh, mercy was given to me, all of it, it was like getting, having the biggest hit of dope in the world. All of a sudden, everything changed, right? It was like I was in put from this universe and then all of a sudden I'm in another universe. A whole new reality changed because my life was literally over. I was going to go to prison and I was going to kill myself in prison. And uh... you know, it, now, yeah that that I ain't knew. so
3: easy unless your name's uh, jeffrey epstein and then they'll make yeah. sure the cameras are off and uh yeah
2: and you get, and you get a little bit of help
3: yeah
2: <laughs> i've seen hangings in prison it's not very much uh it's not good to see
3: uh, no i've
2: seen I, a guy when i was in, uh, in in up there in colorado i had a i took a saw or no i was in michigan and i saw a guy take a little old big pen and he took the the ink thing out of it, and he sharpened up the end of it, and he held it up against his chest, and he w- just ran straight right into the wall, and stuck that pen right into his heart, mm. and he bled out right in front of us. He had a pen sticking out, and the blood was pumping about three, four feet in the air. <laughs> the craziest thing I've ever seen. That's that was the. How long the, did that take? Didn't even to... show any sign of it, right? Somebody would have been around me talking about killing themselves. I might have, my humanity might have kicked in. And Mm. I might have said, hey, man, you want to talk about it? But this guy didn't show any sign of it at all. And he just came in there and he was in there for two days and boom. Now, that was a a pretty significant thing for me to see. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um,
3: Yeah. yeah. I imagine that would take quite a few minutes to uh, bleed out that way.
2: Yeah, it wasn't fun.
3: Wow! didn't anyone just think to... put put some pressure on it and uh, try and get into a hospital. (laughs) (laughs) To just stood around and watch the show something. They got as
2: far away from it as possible. Some guys pretended like they were
0: sleeping.
2: Mm. Crazy. let see, it's 2.56. What I'll do is I'll hang up with you here and I'll go join. Well, I've got
3: the Zoom meeting waiting to start here, so um cool.
2: I'll disconnect here
3: and I'll be I'll be with you in a second. Uh okay I'll speak to you in a few minutes. Uh well <laughs> here you go folks. Uh prison stories. I'm so 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 grateful. Uh I mean look, I wasn't uh well a bit of a tear away but thankfully I never I never got into that type of trouble, but, um, yeah, I, you know, booze is, I, I've seen it wreck so many lives, and, change so many people, that, you know, I don't know where, where, where you rank it, for me it's one of the worst, right, <laughs> just, from a, from a subjective experience, mm, compared to, uh look, if I had to, I had to choose, um, I don't know, the the control to be able to enjoy, I don't know, like mushrooms once or twice a year, and then not touch much in between, but I do know, I'm a, I'm a wake and bake kind of dude, I guess, uh, I will, uh, if I was smoking pot, I would get up in the morning and smoke and uh I'm, I'm glad i don't do it now so well it's what it is <laughs> all right so what else I, i've just got to fill out time now whilst we're waiting for uh the other show to start so uh what have i been up to not much yesterday so we had the the long stream right and then looking at a giga spiral um i'm still i'm still sort of flabbergasted at the uh, mental spiral that's happening there um
4: recording there in progress dr Help. Kev
3: is in the room yeah we gotta turn his volume
4: up there we go i see chris in there give him one moment chris hello gp can you hear me okay
2: we can hear you all right that sounds good well, kevin will be finding us here in just a sec
3: uh yeah i'm just trying not to be uh right. hit, hit the button uh too hard let me just do uh-huh. this what you guys I, doing I, tonight? I, I'm good. We're streaming my end as well, JP. Oh beautiful. Just, um, yes sir. Um if I see any um questions or what have you, I'll, I'll blurt sure. them out. But be great. um Yeah, uh so I, I, I titled this stream uh Fentanyl and Addiction Pathways. And um I'm unsure what where you want to go with that. Um, I mean, I could, I could lay out the really boring neuroscience of it if you want.
4: I think a little of everything would be good. Okay. You know, uh, people need to understand the drug. This is a new one, even for people that have done drugs.
2: Mm. But before I do that, before you do that, Kev, let me explain something to everybody um, that I think is probably the most important part of everything. You know, I play a little name game in my head. And what I do is I take a country like Iran and replace it with Mexico. So the, the Southern border of our United state or of the United States is right next to Iran and every day in Iran, they're, they're making these little bombs, right. Mm. And they're putting them in the mail and they, they send them to America. And so people walk out to their post office box and they get their mail and it's, oh, look, it's from here. And they open it up and it explodes and kills them. You know, a, a new wa- new way of these uh, the terrorists killing Americans. Well, that's exactly what is happening with the fentanyl problem that's going on in, with the drug cartels in, in, in America. And the Chinese government is totally complicit with this, even though they do pass regulations and laws and so they make it look like they're doing something nothing ever gets done in china without china's government knowing about it and even fox news had a report a couple weeks ago about um, how the chinese may be getting revenge for the opium wars right
3: yeah i've heard this and um, yeah. But they don't,
2: really, you know. The the English had the, uh, conducted the opium wars. The, the U.S. had a couple of businessmen involved, but
3: uh, but Hung Die all look same, like we think all Asians look same. So, <laughs> 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 here, you know,
2: so here's China, and they're sending these. They used to send fentanyl straight to America, mm. uh, but they the law it changed in China. So, and here in America, right, they made a law, and it sounded like they were doing something good. So what these chemical companies did in China is they just cha- they just sent started sending the analog base materials right. to Mexico, right? And then they would also send the their Chinese chemists to Mexico, and the chemists would teach the cartel groups um, at the individual labs how to produce a good product. Mm. They would even do test runs, send a batch up to America, and get uh, get some. Uh, um, testimonials on how it worked. And, and then that that particular cook would be verified as a good cook and he would go ahead and these labs in Mexico now, they're not, I've seen videos of them cooking them out in fields and cow pastures and stuff, but now they've kind of compartmentalized everything. Um, and, and instead of having one huge production facility, they have two or 300 little production facilities. And when I say little production facilities, a normal production facility in Mexico that produces these fentanyl pills produces 50,000 per day of the little blue pills. Mm. And that's one lab. And in one little Mexican city, there will be 200 labs doing 50,000 pills a day. And in Mexico, there's probably 25 little cities like that all around Northern Mexico and the baja and places like that tijuana if you took that 25 times all those pill mills to make that fifty thousand things a day in 25 cities that's 91 billion 250 million pills being produced to send to the united states population they're not sending them here to england and i don't think they're sending them to japan are they well
3: that's this is the thing fentanyl was a very american-centric play at the moment and you know i've ever since i've been streaming you know i would be talking about um right. chemical and biological warfare and i i would very much class fentanyl as a form of chemical warfare um right. the weird thing about it is is that you, you can sort of get the you don't have to crop dust people with it in any way or use artillery shells you, you can get people to seek it out and you know drug drug seeking behavior um it crosses well you know anything that has a hedonic component and uh you know the simple fact the is different, it,
2: yeah um you know the the we we meant, we say chemical warfare and and That's what I believe it is. I believe that's what Kevin believes it is. And this is the the definition of what chemical warfare is, right? Listen. Chemical warfare involves using the toxic properties of chemical substances as weapons. This type of warfare is distinct from nuclear warfare, biological, or radiological warfare, which together makes up the CBRN, the military's acronym for chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear warfare weapons all of which are considered weapons of mass destruction. So we have a Chinese government approving b- approval of a, their companies in China sending these products over to Mexico, and that's the distribution arm of this whole thing. And and because of our great southern border policies we've had over the last couple of years, now what America has is they have an entire network of drug cartels that have filtered into the into the into America, into every little town, and in fact, in the COVID, in the COVID nineteen pandemic, when everybody was locked down, they actually had a thing called Uber Dope, where you get on the phone or their app that they had or the website that they had, and you could order it, and it could be delivered to you within five ten minutes. And they that happened all through Mexico's lockdown, and it happened in American cities. Chicago is one. Philadelphia's another. But yeah, the, the, the issue
3: is, we have here is just um from a chemical perspective they're actually very simple molecules right it doesn't take once you've got the precursors set and it doesn't take much to you know run the reaction to synthesize it up and like you say once you you just get someone who's half competent in a lab and can do the um titration correctly
0: um, we're, we're at war
2: with Ukraine, right, over this Donbass <laughs> stuff. And, and, and that's been going on for 14 years. But the real serious stuff that's happening to America is right there on the southern border. Yeah. And, you know, imagine if a, a mosquito were to get out of Florida and go up to New York and sting a few people, and they'd come down with this Congo hemorrhagic fever, right? Yeah. Blood coming out of their eyes and ears and nose and mouth. Um, they would do everything to find out where those mosquitoes come from. Mm. Even if they killed fifteen people. The C D C'd be all over, they'd start doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, again. but this
3: this is because you get into this um weird ethical domain where there's this there's the drug seeking behavior of the individual who um right. is looking for the um the the relief, I guess. Right. And, most... and, and, and you know,
4: Whatever reason they use the drugs for. Yeah. I, mean, they, I don't you know how to stop this, Dr. Kev. I know it's a big question, but what, what's your opinion on how we get a little
3: handle on this? Um, I don't know. It's a difficult question. I, I sort of take the view that, okay, you're going to have a subset of the population that's always going to be hardcore drug seekers alcoholics etc and they they will find their compound of choice and really? a lot of that's environmental their own physiology etc the important thing is to try to stop those who are casual users from right. slipping into or being exposed to something that could be potentially lethal just through taking one you know street compressed um tablet and in a in that environment i would i would make it such that you could you could get pretty much i would decriminalize like the normal analogs or not the the normal drugs the normal pharma pharmacopoeia that we can keep a handle on and if there are some people that are going to use opiates Better to have them using morphine than um, fentanyl, right? And so you're in the camp that you believe that maybe,
4: <clears throat> at least with those that are using, that we could at least control them and prevent them from dying if we were to mm. regulate how much they use.
3: Yeah, and just and the other thing is just um, take the money away from the cartels that that are, <clears throat> that, are, that are making it and the problem is is I, what what appears to be the case is that uh, deep state apparatus likes the drug trade because it enables them to move money around that right. otherwise would be tracked through um, regular um, auditing and I again I, th- these are it's a very complex problem and you know when you The military should be acting on this in all countries, really. Absolutely Yeah, but then you know, we had the US military or NATO military guarding poppy fields in Afghanistan, right? So it's true stories.
4: Uh it's terrible, man. It's just terrible. Well, you know, the United States military brought crack cocaine into this country, so it's not unusual that The problem is, it needs to stop because more of our people are dying every day. Yeah,
3: yeah. Like so you you either have um, you can go the Japanese approach where you seal up the borders, and it's very difficult and it's um, draconian with respect to any um, a- a- any drug that's psychoactive, right? So oh. even if they catch you with like a roach here, that's five years in jail, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no if ants but. <laughs> <laughs> well, Just... the good
4: liberals would fight that here, you know, mm. they like
3: drugs. <laughs> mm. Well, look man, um but what's uh I've got the name of the comedian, right? But not all drugs are bad, but um some of them are great, right? Was, was sort of, <laughs> I can't remember, I remember the joke. Um but <laughs> the, the simple fact is that from a a species perspective we can see that there are other animals that seek out altered states right and um, one of the most fascinating is dolphins right mm. That they'll find the puffer fish and they'll keep poking the puffer fish to get a hit of um uh the tetrodotoxin i think it's called really is that right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. wow
4: uh, <laughs> kind of like like a drug for them or yeah yeah Oh, okay. Yeah, Dolphin so, junkie. dolphins, junkies, <laughs> dolphins,
3: um, apes. Even you know, you, you could. I, I don't know how much a cow or a horse. what does it?
4: What an ape licks a frog or something like that? And gets um,
3: that? yeah, there's there's all sorts of uh, things that 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 they seek out, and it's this. The, the, you just have these op- overlapping neural circuits with respect to okay. um, drive and in, in a pure evolutionary sense, right? You've got to be able to motivate the organism to seek out, go into an environment where there's potential danger to seek out um, sustenance and nutrition for itself. Right, and the problem is is that we're surrounded by um all, all manner of al- plant alkaloids, et cetera that um have some degree of um psychoactivity and it, like i say you'll find that there are species differences in um the the plants and i will not to say toxins but um n- neuro neuro chemicals and we've just as humans with our ever sharpening desire t- and ability to focus down and find the purest elements mm. can can go, can engineer this stuff and you know you can you can take a look at a morphine mo- or opium molecule as a plant alkaloid it's it's quite a complex structure um but you can you can find And the issue is, is that you're, you're essentially hijacking anatomical and physiological pathways that have a, um, that use peptides that have either sort of opioid like properties or, um, amphetamine like properties, if you want to think of it this way. Um, so like dopamine and they, they all sort of Cross and merge in um, in, in oh, I, don't, I don't know how much sort of neuroanatomy to drop down, but there are the what we call cortico basal ganglia networks and they they uh, they have complex interactions and um you you find these molecules and they get in there and hijack them and well, not hijack them but activate them such that it it becomes hedonic it becomes a, a different state and you know again you have different classes of drugs right so you've got from the psychedelics to the more um right. i don't know I, I, like I, say, I i consider morphine a more um pain pain controlling hedonic type compound compared to say um psilocybin or lsd which is a far more um complex subjective experience so this very simple
4: compound that now makes fentanyl mm. can be made anywhere.
3: Pretty much. You don't yeah. need a poppy field. Yeah. And- you don't need a poppy field. I mean, the, these are the... the so here's a, here's a funny little anecdote for you, right? So much of my research career wouldn't have been possible unless for the junkies on the West Coast trying uh-huh. to synthesize synthetic opioids. And... Mm. Um, as they were so there's a drug called pethidin, right? And I think um, I forgot the name Demerol in the US, right? Oh demerol, sure. And that's a synthetic opioid, right? And it's based around so you have benzene ring and then something called piperidine, which is like a benzene ring with a nitrogen replacing one of the carbons and then you'll have some functional groups coming off that 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 make it act on particular receptor subtypes and they were trying to make pethidin and in the process they made a neurotoxin called mptp that selectively wipes out the dopaminergic neurons in the brain okay. and it's just one of the oddities of um your anatomy and physiology, that those neurons are or their mitochondria are susceptible to the active molecule. And the active molecule or the molecule itself isn't toxic. It's after it gets processed by the blood-brain barrier and crosses the blood-brain barrier that it becomes toxic and then selectively knocks out dopaminergic neurons. And there was these cases where, you know, drug users were IV-injecting what they Thought were opiates and suddenly overnight they've developed severe <clears throat> parkinson's like syndrome oh wow yeah yeah and that sort of exploded the field of neuroscience research into parkinson's because suddenly we had a um this selective way to knock out dopaminergic neurons and have the well if you could take care of the animal you could do all sorts of testing on it, find ways to replace dopamine, listen to the brain when it's um, in that in state. And
4: to take the addiction out of this thing or, or something like that?
3: Um, well, so we considered um, MPTP, we do consider it like having opioid-like effects. So uh-huh. you can you inject the animal with it and you can see that there's a, um, a pharmacological effect that's different to The the more mid to long term effects that happens over days, where the dopaminergic neurons are are dying, and I would would, you're flooding the brain with um, an opioid analog and dopamine, etc., and they they look high and um, out of it for um, you know sort of eight eight to twelve hours, and then they'll get back to normal. But each each time they get back to normal, they're more and more Parkinsonian. And you know, just as a little anecdote, um, I'm—I've always been of the suspicion that um, Michael J. Fox—he was—he was, he was right. sort of an upcoming star at the time. Right, right. A, as this drug was being synthesized on the west coast of um, the U.S., and his Parkinson's, right? You could say that he's. There are some people that get young onsets Parkinson's disease, but his came on very early. And right. he's yes. been able to survive a very, very long time. Where, you know <laughs> under most normal circumstances, if you've got the neurodegenerative full full spectrum disease, you tend not to last um that long. And sure. he's, he's been around a while. Yeah, yeah. And look, he gets the best of care, right? Of <laughs> Uh, he's uh, he's not short sure of interventions but um you know the ha- how to tackle this um this problem when you've got you know you've kids who want to experiment um you know i did and i am if we if we're playing with people's lives i would rather kids were able to go and get something that they knew was what it said on the on the side of the not,
2: not going to kill him Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. And, and I'm like totally on the other
4: side. I think we just need to almost turn this into a militaristic uh, effort and get this drug out. To make it very clear to these countries. Well, you, have that, to, you have to do both,
3: actually. I would say.
4: Yeah, I would. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, these people need help. We just can't, you know, get the bulldozers out, truck them off, wash the sidewalks down, and pretend the problem is gone. Mm.
0: Yeah.
4: That's, that's the big problem: is that we have streets full of people that are dealing with mental issues due to these drugs, due to those situations. And what's the answer? You know,
2: yeah. You probably. watch that. You watch that Kensington, Pennsylvania video.
4: Right, right.
2: You know, now, now, not only they have all that that going on. There's, you know, they're adding the. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. Maybe Doc can help me. x y l a z It's an
3: anesthetic
2: they're adding that to the to the fentanyl and that's where you see those people that are standing and they're leaned oh, over all the way yeah 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 they're just standing there looking at the sidewalk
4: that's a crazy wow. thing they got the camera walking through these people and 50 percent of them are like hunched over just staring at the ground i don't mean to laugh but my god so, yeah. like, the, uh... the, the, the hardest part of this whole thing is, exactly. is those people those,
2: when, you, when you turn it on and look at that video and you see those people, every single one of those people is somebody's child, somebody's brother, somebody's sister, somebody's uncle, somebody's aunt, and they've just gotten sucked into this thing, right? Yeah. And now, I, you know, I was a drug addict before all of this happened, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, and none of this was going on. You heard about heroin, and every once in a while you hear about morphine. The only time i heard about fentanyl was when i had a guy that had cancer and he had he had fentanyl patches right that was the only thing we ever heard back that would be scary (laughs) and of course the crack epidemic hit and that was another government sanctioned thing but you know so um, i guess my my bottom line in this whole thing is that i cannot see it ever changing ever well, the well, the, prob- we the problem that. is, is
3: you've you've got a drug culture now, in, right. the, in the U.S. Right, so the oh, man, th- now you, there's you, only
2: you, one uh, way to stop it, right? Is to stop children, stop children,
3: mm.
2: from taking that first one,
3: right? Yeah, but uh, you, uh,
2: it's how you're stop never going to
3: get them all. This is the right. this is the issue. And look, I would say we live in an ever more broken society yeah. where you know you have. Um, divorced families broken families um abusive families that um and trauma will repeat across generations and no. the you know make it such that the edu- you have to educate kids look if you if you're buying off whatever it was a uber uber dope oh, you don't you don't know crazy. if you don't know if you're gonna die or not and right. yeah better better to go to a managed and and it's got to be cheaper it's got to be better quality and there's got to be i don't know if if someone wants to do the opium and heroin pathway that there's the suboxone i think it's called the the naloxone um that comes with it that can sort of pull them out of a of an overdose, I, I I don't know what you what you do now in the U.S. At the same time, shutting down the border, um, routing the definitely uh, the criminals that are trafficking it, and and but I don't you've got so much corruption that I don't think that will ever happen. The CIA would never give up a, such a or um, so
4: making trillions of dollars.
3: Yeah, and yeah. I'm...
0: And
2: not only China now; it's India. India's getting involved with it. North Korea is getting
4: involved with it. Everybody's um, in.
2: It's you know super easy to you know they have these cartel members right. The the boss the bosses their girlfriends will make a shopping list of luxury items, mm. and so the cocaine tunnels from uh, Tijuana in San Diego. Under the border fence and into the other side, they actually will send luxury goods back to back to uh, Mexico that they picked up in L.A. Oh. Um, these gals will send a laundry list, right? These drug cartels are—they have more people working for them in Mexico than Google has on the face of the planet. Mm. Um, they, they control not only the governments because they are the government in most places. Mm. Uh, they allow the politicians to have their jobs and to garbage and water and electricity and all that stuff. Government's good for doing that, but nothing happens in Mexico without the cartel's approval. Of course. You know, and, it, and it's insanity, and that's just the drugs. With the cartels, you've got the human trafficking, you've got uh, abduction for you know, kidnapping, you've got all kinds of other things going on that they're into uh that produces income for them you know my vision would it be like some dystopian future to where the whole civilization in the United States at an early age we can be able to detect that this person will be an addict in 20 years you know maybe mm-hmm. it was genetic, genetic research
4: through all kinds of different ways but yeah, you know there's a the problem right? with the cartels is that it's not just the dope, it's not just the fentanyl. It is produce, it is construction, it is buying sure. land, it is using that money of influence to literally take over.
2: Sure, yeah. they actually uh, had a COVID program during COVID nineteen that were um, helping people that during lockdowns. You know, a lot of a lot in those small villages and small towns. The cartels are well known for giving out Christmas baskets and inside the basket will be the meats and the turkey and all kinds of stuff and they're very ingratiating to the public uh, but see they also terrorize the public there's a story of one lady who had two two boys at home she had a 15 year old and an 18 year old they're at home one night and bust the door busts open and 11 dudes with ak's come running in they ask her which son's the oldest and she was so scared she couldn't talk but the oldest kid raised his hand and so they shot him in the head My God. and they grabbed the young kid and they kidnapped him and then they sent her you know the ransom demand was money she got her family to raise up the money they gave the money to the cartel and they still went ahead and killed the kid anyway okay you know the the death rate in mexico it's 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 horrendous and it's in the tune of three hundred thousand uh, over the last number of years with their own public and their own civilizations being cleaned out, right? It's not just the the Federalis getting killed and you know that kind of stuff. It's actual citizens of Mexico, families and children. Um, and this thing from the southern border is just fueling their fire. It's like putting a nuclear oh, terrible. missile right into the cartels, and it's it's exploding it and you know americans better prepare to hang on i think the only way that we can really get through this thing is to start educating our children very young you know i was five and six years old i had a brain in my head i could understand things when i was that young you know, I think these that you can learn They're children. learning
4: things now that are just, you know, me and you. We were never approached with situations like that, but they have no choice because society is changing so drastically that kids are changing how they grow up, too.
3: Mm, yeah. Yeah, and the issue you have is that, you know, a developing brain is much more susceptible to being overridden by these um, chemicals that induce altered states. Um, and again, I, I don't. Your situation in the U.S. is hyper complex, and you know, I, I, you could. I don't know. I don't feel blessed being
4: here right now. To be honest with you, no, we're like looks. the target of the damn world. You know.
0: I'm,
2: I'm glad I escaped the USA. For, I've been here almost four years now, JP.
4: I'm the only American in the room. How weird! <laughs> <laughs> It's, oh uh, man, yeah, it's complex, like you said, and, Kev. What is this flesh-eating thing going on with these people on these drugs? It seems to be very common now in all cities.
3: Um, well, there's many, many ways that that happens, but okay. um, is it the drugs or? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, wow! Wow! F- say xylazine does that. Well, look, yeah. I've I've used xylazine. Um, in the in the lab, right? We, oh, um, you think it's a xylosine that does that? I don't know. I mean, I would I would use it intramuscularly and oh. in monkeys, and never had a problem. Right. Um, it's not like we would give daily IV doses of it, though. Sure, sure. So I I, I never saw something like that, but yeah, it's, uh, these are complex synthetic compounds that you're. That these people are sticking into their veins, and um, (laughs) it's—I expect—I can remember once being in uh, San Francisco when I was uh, doing my PhD there, and a dude just sort of hanging his foot out to show people that uh, basically it was just rotting away. There was a big chunk missing out of it, and he was sort of begging for um, money, but. You know what's he going to go and? Do? He's not going to go and seek medical help with the money. He's just going to go and seek another okay. hit to numb the pain of the the rotting foot. Um, so, so what do you do? Uh
4: it's, What it's what a, do we do? I mean, what do we do? Like, I can leave and drive ten minutes from here, and there's a pack of tents going down the highway. What what do we do about
3: that? Well, that's you know, this is another issue that you have in the US where um, this is, this has is happened in the UK a long time ago, but they, as you take away industries, um, the only thing that becomes left that sort of enables wealth generation is housing. And so housing just gets ever more out of the reach of, young people people wanting to start families they get stuck in uh, essentially a renters class and the it, it's easy to slip off the bottom rung should your income get disrupted like right. what happened in uh covid as they right what, what was supposed to be 2 weeks turned into uh a year of um people being locked down and um in that situation, people reach for the bottle and reach for the. And the thing is, <laughs> the street yeah. drugs are cheaper than booze right now. So,
4: crazy. That's crazy.
3: Um, yeah. You
4: okay. couldn't even get your weed off the street these days because it could have, you know, three granules of fentanyl in it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And yeah. Down in Tijuana, they they have a drug market in Tijuana, open air drug markets, and those pills are like a buck twenty five a piece in, in Mexico. Right. You get them over the border, then they're about five bucks a piece. But they cost between ten cents and twenty five cents per pill production right. cost to pay everybody, and from from analog to, to user, that's how much it cost per pill, and they're selling them for five bucks.
4: Right, you know that's part of the problem too you know just the-
2: sometimes, sometimes the markets go down and, and the, the price of the, the pills will go up to maybe 20 sometimes 30 dollars but you can in most american cities right now get on the internet put in your little code word or get on social media and do it and you'll have somebody knocking on your door and for our children that is just intensely it just boggles my mind they're actually murdering people across the world they shouldn't even be de- you know i mean they would never have been addicts if, if fentanyl did not exist these people would not have been become addicts there's not that many natural organic alcoholic and addicts in the world you know when they have the and it, you know we they kind of primed the pump with big pharma when they came out with the the slackers um you know with Oxycontin and then how they worked that into the society in America through the medical associations well, those people made
4: a lot of money too that developed
2: and then, and then the DEA gets involved after it becomes abusive and they shut down all the pill mills um where people get easy prescriptions and then so the people have nothing to turn to when and they've got a habit and That's this to, is, this got is why i you. think
3: you shouldn't do that you should but you should allow people to you yeah. have to accept oh. there's going to be some people who are going to be You're using those compounds high, yeah. and better to have them under medical supervision and using oxycodone than going out and buying uh, a bag of Don't fentanyl you know. from Sanchez, Don't right? You know. right.
2: They, don't they call that the Portugal model, you know, with legalization,
3: Kev? Okay? Um, I, I know Portugal did that, and they managed to turn, uh, well, they stabilized a lot of the addiction problems that they had. but the, They did. Uh, huh. it's, it's, it's accepting that you have a drug problem and then finding ways to get around it. And, you know, the problem is young kids are going to want to try... An experiment i did i expect my kids will um and it's better better to have a safe drug environment than one where bang you take that you know when i was
2: uh, i remember well i was 13 years old and i came home one night and my mom and dad are sitting at the dinner room table and they have this little pamphlet that was handed out to them and it's about drugs and drinking right and they're sitting at the table trying to get me to read this thing and i was sitting there going i'm shaking my head on it's too late mom and dad you know i already been in it for a couple of years by that time and and you know i don't know if i could have if i could have been reached a little bit earlier it might have been it might have changed for me mm-hmm. but it didn't. and and so many children today are in like Kev said broken homes uh, they don't have a father figure they're they're lost in space kind of and so they're going to somehow make it on their own now the easiest way for me to make money as a 12 year old kid was to sell pop. and i did and i made money um, but then that that i didn't know that i was an alcoholic and predisposed to addiction when i first used i didn't find out till later on but you know normally they kind of say as a an average ten percent of us are born with this addictive quality to us, you know. But nowadays it seems in America it's like thirty percent of them are, are primed for addiction. But just remember what we're it's doing. It's not appreciate- that. It's
3: it's the it's the strength and the rapidity that the compounds act, right? right. So you know you can smoke opium, right? Right and. You know the take you a while to sort of reach the peak effect and there's a a window around which you can say okay i'm feeling a little uh it's too much i'm going to stop and but once you've once you've gone down this synthetic pathway um you've got this uh this danger of um lethality and you know the it's not a it's not a complex molecule fentanyl not, there's no um magic there it's easy to make it just has a um opioid-like effect and right. um it's it's easy to make in bulk and right. uh, adding something like xylazine again there's for people who would use something like that 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 they're just in so much pain and reality is so awful for them they're going to yeah. just look for something to black it mm-hmm. out, and a literal,
2: literal living hell is what mm-hmm. it is.
3: But then you know you have a problem with okay, so you you make it such that it's a medical environment, but then you, you have to tread lightly with respect to people's um well, I would I would say dignity and sovereignty, right? You you, d- you don't want to be invading into their. Their space and um dictating to them you know, like a nanny state, um, that's I what know. I was
4: thinking, you yeah. know, like a yeah. nanny state, but yeah. you know, I gotta say one thing, my friend Deborah, she's a good friend out of Berkeley born she's a retired professor, and we've had this argument for literally decades that <clears throat> she believes in legalization of drugs regulated, monitored like you say, <clears throat> back then. You know, as a recovered drug addict, I really didn't agree with it. Believe me, we could tell you we've had quite the discussions over this. But it's a different world. When I look at these people in the streets that are hunched over, Hmm. half their body's flesh is missing, or, you know, they're just in this, I don't think they're ever going to break free from that. So you
3: you accept that there's that societal burden, and you say, okay, these people are going to be treated with drugs that are better handled by the body right better better to let give them a a big big sticky ball of opium and say have at it um we'll leave (laughs) you alone just don't don't go robbing people don't go um it might might work in a sense if they're
4: regulated and they're watched over i mean we don't want them committing crimes and you know if they have an unlimited supply they may just not do that
3: yeah
2: that's but medical I, I, management has to be the the key issue for everybody you know it's the, even the netherlands they changed some of their the laws they almost emptied out their prison population you know if you check out the prison population in the netherlands well, i think it was about five years ago i read about this the prison population was down like 65 percent you know and it, and it was due to this one policy that was changed when it came down to drug use and they were taking these people and instead of treating them as criminal they were treating them as having a mental health issue Mm -hmm. pulling them into this really healthy system that not only gave them the recovery skills but gave them living skills and see i know that if in order to stop using drugs as a as an addict you have to be in a drug-free environment for quite a long time
0: Mm
2: -hmm. and even after that the brain's been imprinted with that that wonderful thing that you feel, right? And so, even when you're sober, after a while, and your brain triggers one day, and the, and you you know get into the relapse systems, um, you know they they know how to handle that because what they've done in Netherlands is really unusual, and and that's a place where things are very very liberal, you know. Oh, Amsterdam. The,
3: the, is the issue you have in the U.S. is is your prison system is a, a industry in and of itself. It you is. Can't. There was a, a Money maker. judge a little while ago. I can't remember the details of the story exactly, but you know, he was he was getting kickbacks for sending young kids to sort of juvenile prisons. Oh
4: yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm
3: um, sure. you know, this again, these are people's families and look, I get it, you're gonna get young tearaway kids and real handfuls and you know, they need extra care, but um at, you know what what's the other choice you have at the moment in the u s you You round these people up, put them in camps and make them go all cold turkey and uh and i, I can't see that ever that sort of awesome. flying um you would have too many um people just uh well you're imprisoning people full stop but you, <laughs> so you you're continuing the cycle. They right. attempted
4: that here in Albuquerque. They um, <clears throat> proposed a site about twenty miles from the city, still in the city limits. It would have facility and you know vans and uh, and such. But the homeless people voted against it. They didn't want to go there because
3: it was too far away from the city.
0: You,
3: know? you don't want um, like yes. for their
4: basic needs. You know, forget the drugs. Like you know, they didn't have phone service, medical. They couldn't go to a grocery store. Those kind of independence that they want.
3: Mm yeah and like i say the you've got to stop people falling into that catchment of this homeless trap and and again, right. you know this requires um you know making sure that people can afford housing um right. afford oh no, uh, big problem big yeah. problem and um, i got, the inflation right now in the u s just looks bananas and um, it's gosh.
4: insane, man. <laughs> my electric bill, which normally is about a buck twenty, here was four hundred dollars for one month. Oh. That's insane.
2: You're not running your AC much, are you?
4: What's that? Your
2: air conditioning. You're not running that much, right?
4: Oh, we run it all. It's a business. We have to keep it running. Yeah. Yeah. here in england we don't have air conditioners. employees suing me it's getting too hot in here mm. customers getting mad yeah it's just the america has really she's fallen from grace she really has and um you know it's kind of a scary place to be right now because we don't know the future of this great nation and uh they keep adding homeless people every time black rock buys a neighborhood out
3: yep and yeah. you know that's that where you've incentivized the, and it's a perverse incentive to to buy up housing as it becomes an asset. And you know this uh, this was a problem lo- a long time in the making. And right. You know you don't you, you give people you don't give people skills that we used to do. So you know most most people now wouldn't know how to drill and tap a hole. Right, which was sort of (laughs) common. um, Scary,
0: and
3: you know, I'm.
4: So this is where the fifteen-minute cities are going to come in, and everybody's going to own nothing and be happy.
3: Well, you know, could you could make an argument that those have always been around, right? The council housing and what have you you used to (laughs) take the undesirable, stick them in one end of the town, and. Um,
4: they want to do that everywhere in america yeah either.
3: that that's that's the problem now is that that's that's what's coming is that um they want this uh well they see it as a sort of utopian type insane um business model right um i'm I, i'm i'm dead set against it um but you've still got to right. you've still got to find a way to um help what are you've got a hundred thousand people dying every year from fentanyl right? sure. Sure. so yeah. know, what, like the rose the bowl,
0: JP,
2: if you filled up the rose bowl right on new year's eve for the games they play and that's about 110,000 people i think fit in there right and in one but because it doesn't happen on one time in one place on, on one day all those people die in it only happens in ones and twosies backyard, you know, back rooms of dope houses and restrooms of convenience stores and back alleyways besides the dumpsters, places like
4: that. I I think that hundred thousand mark is, is low. I I think it's much more than that, honestly. But
2: it's also happening, you know, uh, there's one thing when it happens to those inner city guys that are, you know, homeless and they're on the streets, but it's another thing when it happens to your 12 year old kid.
4: It's a sad thing.
2: 13 year old boy where they went to a little party and their friends had a pill in their pocket that they thought that was a Xanax. And it actually was a fentanyl that just happened a couple weeks ago to one of our friends
4: over. That's into, a thing. In- People don't know, and, you know, they're taking drugs. They're not buying fentanyl. They're taking something different or smoking some pot and the yeah. substance is in there and kills them. They, they unknowingly took something that killed them.
3: Yeah. And yeah. the thing is, you can't, you will never stop those kids from seeking that out. So it's better to have it so that they know that they're getting, and it's always got to be cheaper than what the uh, the yeah. criminals can, can do it at.
4: I mean, do, do you think that we could regulate it where they wouldn't die, you know, using this? I, I mean, could it be done that way?
3: Well, I, I, I wouldn't Pretty toxic from you, what it sounds. Well, you just have to say, right, we're not allowing fentanyl right? Um, It's too too potent, it's too lethal. Um, You know, there's if you want to try opiates, there's opium here. If you want to try that, um, have the education in place right now and hope that that person is not one of those 10% who are hardcore drug seekers. Um, But you know, that comes with education the children that's saying "Look, you're seriously at risk from dying should you experiment with something that you don't know the providence of
4: I think uh, we need to do like a scared straight like remember that thing back in the day
3: yeah, but the, the, they,
4: man, yeah, they, to prison and show up you know this is the result of this thing I mean that's how I feel you know
3: you've got such a tsunami of people now that are, are getting sucked into that state and again that comes down but, to um, people's living circumstances and what they have to live for and um, you know the, the the problem with the US is it's a, it's a place of extremes right?
4: It, it really is <laughs> and, and
3: you know as you've creating ever more um, billionaires etc you're creating uh, ever more people that just can't get a a foot on the, the ladder and you know I yeah. I think in my in my mind better for them to be able to go to the pharmacy and say okay um i'm a heroin addict please can i have my be heroin <laughs> yeah
2: that here in the uk you know you can go down to the, the pharmacist here and get your daily dose you know and, and really uh, yeah here in the do nhs
3: do that really no, it's methadone usually, but oh, um, yeah, they're
2: having methadone, you know, for heroin addicts, and they're it getting
3: methadone be that here in the U.S., of course. But uh, yeah. yeah, but it's a it's, shitty program, right? People want the sure. the real, the they real want heroin. deal. Yeah, yeah, it's just not enough, and and it has to be some. I don't know. You have to you have to accept you have to accept there are going to be some people that use those drugs, and and the
4: problem's so enormous. And it's not just here in America. It's, but, but I know it's it's being centralized here. I get that. It really is a bio. Fent- fentanyl is a,
3: is a U.S. issue.
4: It is um, a U.S. Y- issue.
3: You don't see it in other other countries. And really? So, at all? Really? Yeah. yeah. Um,
4: wow. So yeah. then they really are trying to kill us.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have to. It's it's, really it's, you've got it's to make. Hard. You've got to understand that. Um, calculation and then in right. that sense, okay, well what protections are you going to put in place? How many children are you going to allow to be um, casualties in, in this in you No, know, that's war? the
4: problem for us Americans over here is that we really there's very little that we can do on a scale of what really needs to be done. I mean, if we had a decent, you know, administration and a decent military, and i I'm going to say at president Trump, we'd be fighting this, not accepting it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't want, I, you know, I get that we have this group of people <clears throat> that there's going to be very little we can do for them, except maybe facilitate them with their addiction and and bring them some medical care. They probably could use. I get all that. But we have to stop the drugs from coming here. Yeah. Because yeah. the only reason there's a desire for it is because these scumbags have got our people hooked on it.
3: Yeah. And so you yes. have to wean them off. You have to shut down the border properly. You have to consider well, that it is chemical warfare being waged against you by, you can put it in terms of non-state actors. And how how valuable is your population in this instance? Right. And.
4: Sure, seems like we're not worth anything to our government. They're just literally sacrificing us here in America. They really are.
3: Yeah, and um, you, know, you could get into many. Where well, you guys are, is it? Is it? I know it's not like America,
4: but is it more? You know, uh, relaxed over there, or there's restricted rules? I mean, you know, I know this is a big, big question, but it's very it's restrictive America.
3: here in Japan. Right, it's but very what's, restrictive. What's available is booze, and um, what do they have a problem with? Suicide, mm. right? Oh, really? And, um, you know. So you can
4: only get booze there. You don't have the illicit drug markets.
3: Not, not really. I mean, you would you would pay a lot of money for a tiny, tiny amount of weed, for example. Okay. Um, oh. uh, but the the strange thing is, is that Japan had a very ancient and integrated cannabis and hemp culture right it, it it was sort of um part of their religious ceremonies and it got taken away from them after the second world war they were told they weren't allowed to use any of their hemp products uh what? it all mm-hmm. got replaced with plastics and oil-based products. And, um, since then they've been super, super strict and they've, they've sort of kept to that, um, Is, framework. the UK like that, Chris,
2: uh, it, from my moving from America to here, what I noticed was that it's not apparently out in the open here. Um, Now, I know the bigger cities like where Kev grew up and London and Manchester and places like that, there are some bad places where it's kind of more out in the open. But, uh, you know, we don't have meat wagons going down the street in the morning spicking up dead bodies. Do
4: you have homeless people
2: everywhere? We have the the, the drug problem they have here with some of the homeless guys here in, in town. There's probably less than 20 or 30 of them. And most of
4: them are smoking spice. Those are amateur numbers compared to America, dude. Yeah. yeah. What and about Japan? Do you have homeless people there?
3: Very uh-huh. rarely. Very rarely. No. Really, really, really. But what? you know, but there's, a, right. there's a weird. um You don't get government help here, right? And so, there's the family structure is much more robust. Okay. And so. You know, it's so the rot hasn't been able to set in, like it has in Western cultures, and it's so you, it's normal to have extended family in the house. You know, multiple generations, and yeah. the um yeah, it's look, I I feel no danger whatsoever even in the oh, largest I, of cities <laughs> In i don't know the- if we're
4: going to be nuked in the morning over here you know
3: mm, well you know it's true the u.s plays a lot of dangerous games
4: they um, do that is so true that we we really you know make our own messes that's for sure well yeah. guys burned it up chris why don't you plug your media company and then dr kev you go ahead and plug your stuff <laughs> Can't believe that hour
3: zipped by so fast. Yeah, okay, so where'd he come is it? Yeah. Well, we well yeah, they,
2: most people just, the best way to get a hold of me um, on a personal level is just go to Facebook, type in Chris France Media, or my name, Chris France. You'll find me. Um, and uh, I'm kind of a, 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 a in the background with a lot of the things that Kev does. And I think that's a little bit more important than anything that I do today. We have a, A platform called we talk you listen and um that's one of the things we do there and i'll give kev
3: the the mic to to finish up with uh yeah well if people wanna um you got a podcast too right uh yeah i stream most days across multiple platforms and uh, i'm uh, i I had no intention of sort of being public in this fashion but (laughs) hello you're yeah. thrown into the wolves, man. COVID came along, and uh, I found myself doing this, and um, you know, it 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 is. You yeah,
4: absolutely is. look
3: like you're having fun, so yeah. Well, I try to. Yeah, <laughs> it's you know, somebody's got to save the world, right? <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, think I'm doing that, but for sure, you've got to have communities and um, look out for each other, and um, for sure if they've if they've nuked the family unit try and build the next best thing i guess and um you know, try try and look after the kids make sure that they're not getting exposed to um, there the predators they, so yes.
2: we have some uh that we we're in line with some good partnerships with our i guess what we call a cause of we talk to you listen and we have a Kevin is lined up to do uh, a few things here in the future. They're just going to be very significant. Oh, cool. People trying to understand what's happening with the, the bio weapon COVID SARS.
4: It's
2: It's as if, you know, they pulled the trigger on us and the weapon has been deployed and the people have fallen. And now we have to deal with the after effect and get ready for the next thing that's going to be happening. And my feelings are it's
4: right around the
3: corner. And I'm sure I would say
4: it's All already right, guys. Good. Already so, on us. Uh, we'll keep out with you we'll keep look out for your stuff. I appreciate you coming on the paradigm shift. I gotta cut this loose. We we burned up an hour, man. I appreciate yeah,
3: it. Yeah, no worries, Thank man. You. Anytime right.
4: JP. Thank you. I'll send you a
3: copy. All right. Take All right. care. All right, bye bye. All right. Um that's uh Chris dropped off. I'll just call chris on uh, discord uh, bear with me i'll just check a few of the comments right now uh it's interesting because you don't think like in 10 years pretty much every kid will live their entire childhood in daycare or school basically not sure what that means my son just had his first baby mum doesn't work and won't everyone makes a choice um yeah maybe Um. Look, uh, you've got free will, man. You've got a—it's a big responsibility. Um, I'm just trying to answer some of the questions I see in the chat. Um,
0: if anybody has any questions or they have any issues they'd like
2: to have dealt with, um, they can certainly get me personally on Facebook. And I have lots, I know lots and lots of people in America are available to to help people. Um, you know, that's the only way we can really do it is, as an addict, you have to raise your hand first before we can, mm. most people uh, want to help you. But, you know, those people that are in the delirium of the drug, drug addiction, and in that the psychosis of it, those people are very when they're in that condition it's very difficult to deal with those people so you need what was called a moment of clarity right that's what the uh, that the big book talked about yeah that you you know you kind of snap out of it for a second and go oh my god i got to do something and somebody needs to help me and cry out for help because there are lots and lots of people out there that will help
3: yeah yeah there's uh but again we're in a different world these aren't your grandpappy's drugs anymore chris um there's uh you know, yep,
2: they are they're coming at us left and right.
3: Yeah, you know, even even things like heroin, right? That was yep. relatively common around when I was a lad. Um you had to be loading up a syringe and getting it into a vein to um cause the O D. If you were ch- if you were just chasing it again, you're you're not um it's very very difficult to od yourself but um just back to well, heroin addicts
2: didn't want to od themselves they wanted to be able to get that high until they end up becoming physically dependent then they're just trying to not be sick right? mm. and that's yeah imagine having the flu right the super flu mm. and and the only thing that will fix it will be a shot of dope mm. And and that's kind of like what it is. When I went through my heroin addiction phase, that's exactly the way I described it. It was the worst. And I did it the old-fashioned way. I did cold turkey. Mm. And, you know, with chocolate bars and orange juice and lots and lots of water and a puke bucket and, Mm. you know, hitting the bathroom. I had to, you know, I stayed in my bathroom, like, for two days once. Just stayed in the bathroom.
3: Mm. Uh, But but, um, I would say rather that than you just end up dead um, off. Like I say, even, even if, even now, if you swallow something, the effects can be unpredictable. And, you know,
2: but... I was the uh, high school. I was the, like the the tester in, in, with LSD in high school, you know, I'd, I'd be the one to take it first.
0: Mm.
3: If
2: it was good, I'd buy a batch of it. Right?
3: Yeah. And, and, you know, we, look, we I'd, I'd, I'd rather kids one. were taking acid and ecstasy and,
2: that type of thing. Um, we never had a care in our a thought in our brain what the stuff was made out of, right? No, no, but
3: no be- clue. Better, better that, and just dead kids everywhere.
2: Yeah, I never saw people dying from LSD. No, no.
3: I mean, a few ended up in the nut house, but um... probably
2: jumped off the roof, maybe you know, <laughs> goes flying.
3: But I, I, I don't know. Like I say, the the, the US has a unique set of circumstances it's got to deal with right now and the people that well you've got to be able to give people something to work for um but being stuck in a rentier's trap that um is well you, you don't feel like you're ever making progress in any way um I don't know'm I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan things. of sort of social socializing stuff either, um, but i don't want I don't want to see children dying from experimentation, and right. you know in my mind, better better to be able to go to the doctor, say, "Yeah, look um, this is what I'm doing um i need I need medical help in this instance." And better to do it that way than um, <laughs> $5 pills on the street that can kill you and turn you into a zombie.
0: Yeah.
3: I don't know what else to
2: almost, do. Almost, almost overnight. Yeah. Because yeah. many of the the power of the fentanyl is so much greater than what most of the people are used to that and they would that's what they would seek they would seek the dog that was killing people
0: yeah right? yeah yep. and um, they'd look at it.
3: crazy yeah you, if better to have more natural substances that are the body uh-huh. handles better and um i don't know i mean right. the only time i've had fentanyl is when in sort of surgical environments and
2: That's what it was made for, you know?
3: Yeah, um, I don't, I I didn't think, oh yeah, that was something I want to do again.
2: (laughs) But the fentanyl you got at the hospital wasn't cooked up at somebody's house in in a little city in Mexico, around some cow pasture, Mm. you
0: know? It was prescription. Prescription Uh, brand. Yeah,
2: well. You know, this this mixture's... they actually, I mean, the Chinese are actually sending the chemists to these dope houses, like I said earlier. Yeah. And it's amazing, you know, they, they have this network set up and they, they're, they're testing these Chinese guys. or are actually testing these, these dope houses. You've got to take, the, take
3: the market away. Take the incentive away. And, um, and right now in the U.S., it, you've got to focus on educating your... Your children away from.
2: I don't know how it's ever going to be safe again. <laughs> Never for kids.
3: No, it's a different world now. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't have yeah, answers it, for it, man.
2: You and I both grew up in the world where we could play outside and we could go off and run around, you know, until it was dark out and came in for dinner you know but before the internet we remember those days
3: yeah yeah um
2: when we're, all gone, when we're all dead and buried you know the they are gonna have full control of all of us
3: yep uh i would be look, Mike. My... well i want to finish up and take my kids out this afternoon um but they they have their addictions already and i've i facilitated that um <laughs> but it's the, it's the world we, we live in right now, so what? Rather Roblox than fentanyl, I guess.
2: Yeah. I don't know many guys that have died or go rob a bank because they were playing a game on the Internet too long.
3: Uh, I don't know. They rob banks in roblox. There's actually a bank robbing game. That they oh, play. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so: oh, the last the last game I played was asteroids. Give you get mm. an idea. I wouldn't even play Pac-Man because it looked like a game to me. asteroids were cool.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. uh it's a different world. Um I like say I wish I had I wish I had better answers. And you know, we understand addiction pathways very well. And you know, in in my mind better better to stop people falling into that state. But then yeah. th- the U.S. is the only place that I know that has such a overwhelming housing
0: or homeless issue.
2: It's insane mm. how it is. Every American city now, you know, the bigger cities are, like Jimmy Jean said, Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco, right? You've been there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all those shops. It was, like, it was super busy all the time. Mm. It says, no, it's a ghost town now. Because it's all boarded up. Um, New York City's the same way. Fifth Avenue, places like that.
3: Yeah, well, you can blame Jeff Bezos for that, right? Yeah. yeah.
2: Um,
3: look, I hate shopping. I'm glad there's Amazon, but
2: <laughs> I got my little pillbox box here. Yeah. I can sit here, and I don't have to leave. I can order my groceries and mm. order my medicine every month. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, but that's that's what
3: do. they got in mind for everyone and
2: um i got a good head start on it
3: yeah in
2: <laughs> you know. my in my case i was grateful to come here and get medical help mm. I
3: was, yeah I was well so that, that that sort of reinforces my point right that there was medical help for you that enabled you to um turn your life around when you realized that there was um there's nothing but pain and misery down the other pathway and I, I'm, I'm a believer in trying to help people that way, and you know the. It was a stupid thing to do in the U.S. to, inject something like oxycodone into the, market, and then just yeah. pull it completely, so people can't get pain control. And. Yeah, they you know if someone if someone fucks up on oh, yes. oxycodone like like they're driving and cause an accident you punish them like you do uh drink drivers that type yeah. of thing but yeah. um the yeah I, I again this america just swings from one extreme to the other and um Yeah, I see people talking about Ibogaine in the um, chat. And yeah, funnily enough, I did my undergraduate thesis on Ibogaine. Because, you know, I knew heroin addicts and I could have very easily gone down that pathway as well. And um, Ibogaine was known, right, for being able to, all people out of that lifestyle but right. the way it does that is through literal um, it's a nightmare type experience that exposes your or rips away any sense of ego and um, and it's supposed to be a very tough experience that make makes people just how doll How doll? how no, no. Haldol is a um, psychiatric, a psychiatric uh, dopaminergic antagonist, um, it's antipsychotic. Um, I mean, look. I've uh, had it once. <laughs> um, it I
2: calmed mean, me I've, down,
3: quickly. Yeah, um, look, that's, we used to have sanatoriums full of people that were out of control, right? Right. And is it? I I do consider it more humane to be giving people haldol and antipsychotic drugs and giving them something approximating a life than having them in straitjackets and <laughs> getting beaten up by orderlies because they're getting a bit shouting. Um, Same
2: thing happened in America. All the, well, the psychiatric hospitals shut down. Mm. You know, that was in the, I think the 80s, late 70s, 80s. Yeah. It was after Geraldo, Geraldo Rivera went out and busted that one. Yeah. Did a big expose on it. Yeah. And within two years, they were shutting down those places.
0: Um,
3: now all
2: those ones are on the street.
3: Yeah. And, you know, there's, look, maybe there is, there is a place for these institutes for the worst of the worst, But I think give, give, and this is something that, you know, basic neuroscience studies have shown right if you enrich the environment um the addict group will decrease their drug consumption rat park and um someone's telling me about the metabolite in the brain yeah but the it's the it's the subjective experience of the trip it's a psychedelic i very very potent one and very um tough extended trip that um makes people uh, and it has it has i can remember my undergraduate it has all all types of um pharmacological properties across many receptors but if you speak to the people that use it it's the um it's the psychedelic breakthrough experience on it it's an unpleasant psychedelic experience not
2: a good trip
3: yeah it's not a good trip hard painful um tear your life apart not, you're,
2: uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna go cruise in space and talk to aliens like you do with ayahuasca
3: um no no and no it doesn't it doesn't clear out um it's, it's been like one of the hypotheses that it's sort of it sits in opioid receptors etc but it cleans out it's got a half life and it's um it's gone from the body within sort of 12 to 18 hours but it's um it's the the subjective experience of it yeah. people have a they they have a life review basically
2: life changing experience
3: yeah and um, that's
2: pretty much what it what it is when when you know a lot of people that get into recovery they have this this moment you know and, and mm. uh,
3: yeah I, and th- man, that's what that's what they were looking to do with um, LSD back in the day yeah. they were they
2: a spiritual experience Bill Wilson the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous himself took LSD mm. um, in hopes that they could discover. A way to create a spiritual experience within a person where they could come to the light and see their ways and make a change right and,
3: um... oh, they had whole programs again i, I encourage you, you can get the book hallucinogens hofer and osmond but that it's just a record of their e- experiments in saskatchewan in canada and the idea was that you could induce um so it's called a psychotomimetic Meaning, it mimics a psychotic state. That you you put people into that state, it frightens the bejesus out of them, and they um, realize the errors of their ways, and um, they they turn their lives around. But what they found is is that actually, it was people having the more transcendental um, trip that um, had more success. But it was. Um, again the the numbers were so small and um I, I don't think it's a well no i would i would say this i'd rather i'd rather there was easier access to low level hallucinogens like LSD and psilocybin and let kids experiment with that run the gamut of their experience with it let them hit rock bottom with those compounds and work back to if that if that's the path they're going to take, and um, the uh, but like I say, you're in a, you're in a different world now where you know micrograms of yeah. an opioid can kill you. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And,
2: well, I appreciate you coming, and, and I know JP's audience will uh, appreciate it too.
3: Yep, you're more than welcome. Um, right, I'm going to. Uh, get ready to go out take the kids out for the day, good day. um <laughs> you have a good day or an evening.
2: Yeah. Thanks, brother. I'll talk to you evening
3: yeah all right take care all Right. Bye. um all right folks uh i didn't even check if anyone i didn't ask for any donos today but i'll just check if anyone was generous um oh um Laura, thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to um, just shut down <laughs> Don't bother with that outro. It's kind of an odd stream today. So um, don't take drugs, kids. <laughs> I just, just take the right amount and uh, safe ones. All right. Catch you later. Bye bye. <laughs>